All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Just a Girl from Cleveland. I hope everyone has had a good last few weeks since my last episode. And I know 2020 has been crazy for everyone. And it's already almost September, which is just blowing my mind. I can't believe we're already this far into the year. Um, But I hope everyone is doing well, because we are just going to keep making the best of it. We have some great sports content to talk about right now, which is what is helping my soul and my life feel better even when the world appears to be in shambles. Um, It's definitely good to have some great games to be watching here. Uh, First, want to talk about the Clippers and Mavs game that I just got done watching. I'm recording this um, around 7 p.m. on Sunday night after the game had finished, and man, Luca is something special. That was a fun game to watch. Um, his stat line, if you did not see, 43-17-13 with a step-back buzzer beater in overtime at age 21 with an injury, let me remind you, from the previous game that was definitely, you would think would hinder him. You could tell he was hurting, but it did not hinder his play whatsoever. He's just so special. I mean, I... I couldn't even picture a more perfect shot the way he had about, I think there was like 3.7 seconds left on the clock, and that ball just glided through the air at the perfect moment, um, and it, it was really special, and I'm just excited to see what he's going to do in his career. I just think he's going to be running this league for a really long time, um, and I actually do hope that they beat the Clippers Uh, in this series. I think the Clippers are a little bit overrated. I think they have been all season, and I don't think they've ever quite proven to be what everyone thought they were going to be leading up to this season. Um, And it's just, it's fun to watch the Mavs. I just really enjoy watching them, mostly because of Luka and, and the way he plays. He's just incredible. And it was great to see on Twitter all of the players in the league or ex-players, retired players supporting him and just how incredible he is. It, it was unreal. I can't even believe he was injured. Just such a great game. Um, the other thing I just got done watching was, I don't know if you guys have watched any of the Uncomfortable Conversations with the Black Man videos that Emmanuel Acho, who actually was originally drafted by the Cleveland Browns, he didn't have a very long-standing NFL career, but Um, was briefly a a Clevelander, I guess you could say. Um, But he's been putting out these these videos that are just these basic sit-down conversations with someone to talk about something in regards to race. So whether that's interracial couples, white parents who have black children that they adopted or whatever it may be. Um, They've done religion, which was one of my favorite episodes, kind of tying in how... um, A lot of people who consider themselves very religious, good people um, don't want to talk about race and don't want to have those conversations and don't think it's an issue, um, which is something that's always kind of bothered me. And it was really good to watch that conversation. So I would definitely recommend that one. Um, And then this one, he actually had the chance to sit down with none other than NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. I was, I mean, my jaw dropped when I saw a few days ago that he posted that he was going to sit down and talk with him um, because I just thought it was going to be so fascinating. Um, I believe that there's a second part of the video that's going to be posted, I think, tomorrow. So as you're listening to this during 
Monday. Um, but the first part was posted right before uh, I started recording, so I just sat down to watch it quickly. Um, basically in it, he did make an apology to Colin Kaepernick, and um, they spoke about some interesting things about Roger Goodell's past, which I thought was um, kind of cool because I honestly don't know much about him as a person. I really only know about the decisions he's made as a commissioner, um, which I've not always been super fond of. But um, he actually has, his father has a, a deep history in politics. Roger Goodell grew up in Washington, D.C. Um, his father was was marching against the Vietnam War. There's just a lot of interesting things that they talk about in that um, that I did not know about him, um, which I think is, I guess, a good lesson in general, like learn more about people other than what you just like see on the surface, because I just think everyone has more depth than we give them credit for. Um, but I do still wish the conversation dug a little deeper, maybe in the second half that they'll go a little bit deeper, but I felt like, he was kind of let off the hook in this first portion of the episode. It was about 10 minutes long. I just think he could have gone a little bit harder <laughs> against him, but it's fine. I think the biggest takeaway I had, though, was that Roger Goodell said he wishes he would have listened sooner, um, that he was hearing what the players were saying, but he wasn't truly feeling and understanding and... I guess empathizing with it, which is what I think we're, we're all kind of asking for in those conversations. It's just, it's unfortunate that a lot of players had to suffer when people were not understanding them or empathizing with them in the right way. So it's fine for Roger to sit there and say, oh, I wish we would have listened sooner. Yeah, that's great, but like a lot of players took the brunt of a ton of criticism because you didn't have their back. So I kind of wish there was more, I don't know, a deeper level of accountability that he was giving for that and the, you know, way he did treat um, the players during that time because, I mean, he said he's always understood that it was not about the flag, it wasn't about disrespecting the military, he said he's always known what the message was, so I just wish that he would have had their backs a little bit more in the moment if he did truly understand it. It was not matching what his actions were at the time, so... Hopefully the second portion has a little bit more, I don't know, maybe depth in the conversations because I just felt like it still stayed on the surface a lot and I want hard questions for him. I just like, I want to really dig deep. Like, why did you make that decision then? If you knew what was going on, then why didn't you do something about it and say, hey, we're not going to fine you or we're not going to penalize you or like force teams to not like give consequences when people were kneeling originally back in 2016 so I just want to know some more of those things I feel like um which maybe we'll get so definitely go watch listen whatever those conversations are are super great and I think Emmanuel is truly the future of sports media he has I, I might have talked about him before in another episode but he just has this preacher's voice that just really draws you in and it's really special I like listening to him talk a lot and um, he's doing this and many other things now in sports media which is really great okay so on to some Indian stuff so Oh gosh, this was probably two weeks ago now, maybe a week ago. I have no sense of time anymore, but um, Clevenger and Plezak going out in Chicago 
and lying about it. So my take on this is I I get it. Like I understand it is hard to like not live your life normally and do things when you travel as an athlete. You're used to being able to see people in the cities that you are playing in. Um, I think what I have more of the issue with is just the lying. Like, don't lie about it. It's like you, if everyone else is following the rules, then you have to also. And if you can't handle that, then like, don't play in the season. Um, I know it's just, it's hard because I, I understand how tough it is to like not live your life, but don't lie. And I think that's what I, I had the biggest problem with is the lying portion of it. Obviously, they've since apologized and said they learned their lesson. And I hope they did because um, it's just it's not a good look. And we need team unity. Other players were kind of upset about it. It, it disrupts team chemistry. It disrupts a lot of things. So that's all I have to say about that. But just hope they learned their lesson. Um, okay, now on to unwritten rules in the MLB. So this has come up in the last week or so when Fernando Tatis hit a grand slam when up 10 to 3 in the 8th inning I believe it was. He swung at a 3-0 pitch and there were certain people in the sports world who were up in arms about how it is an unwritten rule that you should not swing at a 3-0 pitch when you are up by that much. And I completely disagree. I could not disagree more with that take. I mean, when you think about baseball, anything can happen. Like, truly anything can happen. It does not matter if you are up by 15 runs, a team could still come back with their, you know, half inning that they have left. The other team can hit a grand slam too and come back. It's not like, okay, in football when you are up by 50 and there's two minutes left on the clock and you have a ball and it would be, if you have the ball at that point, like you are going to take a knee. It would be ridiculous of you to try to score a touchdown because there is time constraints within the game that you know the other team is not possibly going to be able to come back. Um, so you're not going to just like keep going for it because it's disrespectful. Um, or in basketball, again, there is a clock. There are time constraints um, within a game that if there are two minutes left in the game and yeah, you're up by like 30 points, you're going to dribble the ball out. You're not going to just like keep driving or like bomb three pointers all over the place trying to keep running up the score again because it's disrespectful and you know it is physically impossible for them to score that many points to come back in the amount of time left in the game. Baseball is totally different because you could play for a very long time in one uh, an inning can last however long it needs to last. There isn't like, oh, this is a 5-minute inning like the team can there could be four grand slams in a row. You don't know that. So I think it's okay to run up the score in baseball because things are unpredictable and anyone who was criticizing um, what they were doing there, I think like you got to relax because Unwritten rules are kind of stupid in a lot of ways, and baseball needs to be more interesting anyways. If someone's going to hit a grand slam, I want them to do it. Unless it's against the Indians, then don't do it. But keep the game interesting. Like, hit the ball. Do what you want. I think it is it is great. So that's those are my thoughts on that. I'm over people complaining about stupid things that aren't real rules and don't mean anything at all. 
Okay, so on to college football. This is a very unfortunate topic for me right now because obviously the Big Ten season, as of right now, has been canceled and I think last they said postponed to the spring. I don't see how a spring season can really happen, um, especially with guys who are planning to go into the NFL. It would be a little bit ridiculous to ask them to play in the spring and then, uh, like, what, a month later suit up to start practicing for their NFL season? Like, in terms of health reasons, that is not okay because – I mean, it is known that you need a certain amount of time off in football to, to prevent injuries and to keep yourself strong and healthy. Um, so that is, that's not enough recovery time from a college football season into an NFL season or into the next college football season either. I mean, they start practicing in the summer as well. So I don't see a spring season happening. I'm just not sure how that would actually work. Um, it would have to be the fall or nothing. So here's why I'm upset with the canceling of the season. I think the Big Ten commissioner acted way too quickly, way too quickly before other most other conferences have said anything at all. I'm not sure why he felt like he had to say it right then and there. Um, also, his son is playing in the SEC, and he has said that he and his family made a decision together knowing the risks to allow his son to play but he's not giving that same option to every single player in the Big Ten so that's like a little bit hypocritical which is kind of annoying um I also am upset that it seems like he's not listening to any of the players or the parents of the players concerns and their reasoning for why they think they there should be a season and Justin Fields has laid this out really well I think he was tweeting things and he's talked about it a lot where it is safer for a lot of those guys to be on the team and with the team and in the care of the team a lot of these kids do not have their own like medical care that they can get in their own time because they come from nothing and maybe they're in their family they don't have health insurance and it would be better for them to be with the team every day and be with the elite medical care that the Ohio State football team gets um, so it would be safer in that way also I'm not sure what he thinks is going to happen if, if these kids don't play. They're just going to go to college parties. They're going to be all about campus um, with all of the other students rather than if they were playing, maybe they would have a really good reason to kind of just like stay with the team, be careful, be as safe as possible, um, be on a schedule, not be like partying every single night, um, probably at risk of catching the coronavirus even more than that. Uh, so he wasn't even thinking about those things or listening to those things that Justin Fields and other players in the Big Ten have been saying that that are legitimate reasons of why they should consider playing. I also don't know why it's okay for them to practice all summer. Some teams, I, I know the day he announced it, that team up north was practicing that day. Jim Harbaugh had them practicing that day. So what's the difference between that and going and playing a game against one other team? Also, I assume that when you're on one of these teams, you're getting tested more often, which as a student, I would assume you're probably get testing, or you're getting tested less than the athletes are. So it's like the the logic part of it is not making sense to me. And I'm not fully understanding it. 
I don't put it all on the NCAA or any of the conferences for like, like the reason the coronavirus is still here and a part of our society and a part of America. Um, but I do blame them for how they're handling it. And it feels like they just don't know what to do. Kevin Warren was even saying he was surprised at the backlash he was receiving for canceling the season. And I'm like, what did you think that the reaction was going to be? Big 10 football is like people's whole lives. Like it's very important to a lot of people. So I don't really know why he was surprised to be receiving any backlash about it. I mean, I guess things can still change. I'm not really sure. I, I'm not really sure if they will. Um, but it, it's definitely unfortunate. And it matters a lot to a lot of these kids. Joe Burrow had tweeted something about how he might be like looking for a corporate business job right now if he didn't have his last season at LSU, which you know, escalated him up to the first pick in the NFL draft. And that's a story for a lot of guys. Even if you're not Joe Burrow and you're not going to become the first pick in the draft, a guy who maybe needed one more year to be able to prove himself to be even considered to be drafted. It just, it matters a lot to these kids. And I'm really, I'm sad for them. I'm sad for all of the people who rely on college sports as their, you know, career and their salary in some way. And it's it's just sad overall. I mean, it, it really is just a bummer to see. But, I mean, we'll see if things change as of right now, though. No college football this fall. Okay, on to the Lakers. So, we've had three games now. The Lakers are up 2-1. Um, I'll kind of go game by game here just because I've – I watched one and three pretty thoroughly, kind of followed along with two, but didn't watch it super thoroughly, but got the gist of it. So obviously game one offensively, the Lakers looked pretty horrible and Damian Lillard was just absolutely on fire. And it's tough because I don't hate the Blazers. Like I think it's impressive what they were able to do um, in the bubble to be able to get themselves to the playoffs. But um, I just think that they looked tired as time has gone on, probably because the Lakers did not have to go hard in those bubble games before the playoffs started because, what, like three games in, they clinched the first seed. Um, so they didn't really have to give their all, whereas the Blazers really had to fight every single game to give themselves a shot of being in the playoffs. So I do feel for them because I think it's impressive what they did, but obviously my guy LeBron takes uh, precedence. So in that first game, LeBron, he was, I mean, he was a great facilitator. 23, 17, and 16 was his stat line for the night, which is insane. And honestly, if anyone else had a stat line like that, they would be praised for days. And like nobody really talked about it. But I mean, that's a, that is a triple double that like in a high triple double, like solid numbers there. Um, and his, his passing is just so elite. It's out of control. Um, but obviously they lost that first game. The Lakers lost that first game. Um, and I think that the biggest takeaway from that was the Lakers needed to clean up their shooting. Everyone looked afraid. Nobody wanted to shoot. Even LeBron didn't look super eager to shoot. Um, and it just, it was messy. It wasn't good. Game two, I know LeBron only had 10 points, but I think sometimes it's important 
um, for LeBron not to like drop 40 points in a playoff game because other guys need to get comfortable out there and feel like they have some momentum going themselves because when it comes down to it, maybe that'll slide in the first round of the playoffs. But as you get deeper, like everyone needs to be on point and it can't just be LeBron dropping 40, which we've definitely learned at watching him over the playoffs for most of his career. Um, it's tough if he doesn't have, obviously he has Anthony Davis, but he needs other facilitators. Um, he needs other guys out there so that when he's not on the court, things don't just completely blow up. Um, so obviously a couple other guys looked good in that game. LeBron, like I said, only 10 points, but I think it's okay. Um, just to get other guys involved, to get them comfortable for LeBron to come back in game three and completely dominate, um, 38, um, yeah, 38, 8, and 12, pretty impressive stat line. I can't remember if it was actually 8 assists or 12 rebounds. Um, but regardless, he, he looked great. Portland looked very tired, which I kind of mentioned earlier. Um, they seemed exhausted. They were shooting pretty, I guess, it looked lazy the way they were shooting, um, and overall, Anthony Davis didn't look great in the first half. Second half, he really turned it around, had a couple really important shots when the game was close to kind of get the Lakers to, to inch up a little bit. Um, and the Lakers won that game. So, like I said, Lakers up 2-1 now. I think they're going to finish it off in five. I just think, like I said, since Portland's starting to look pretty tired and the Lakers are looking a little bit more sharp, um, and once... Once they're, you know, up hopefully next game 3-1, I think they'll they'll take care of it quickly. So we should probably see the Lakers moving on to the second round, but I don't want to jinx anything. Um, other NBA news, the draft lottery happened the other day, obviously. The Cavs ended up with the fifth pick. The Warriors were at two, um, which is funny because, man, it's crazy how much changes in such a short amount of time. The Cavs and Warriors were just like dominating the league very recently and now they're nothing, which really just shows the power of the stars in the league and how important they are. Um, I feel like in terms of this lottery, it's it's too early to make any predictions on who's going to go for a lot of these draft picks just because I don't even know what's going to happen with college basketball this season. I mean, at this rate, who even knows if it happens at all? Um, so that could obviously change how things happen with the next draft. Okay, so important things to know when crushing brewskis in the Muni lot. If you did not see last week, um, I think it was this past week, yeah, Mac Wilson, he was carted off the field at practice after hyperextending his knee. Um, he's obviously going to have to miss some time, and I guess the most recent reports have said there's definitely a chance he will be able to play this season. Um, losing Mac... That, that would be tough because he was really, I would say, one of the brighter spots in our season last year. He had 82 combined tackles, seven passes defended, and four tackles for loss, which is really not bad considering he was a fifth-round draft pick. Um, he he was definitely, definitely a bright spot, and I was looking forward to see how he would do this season. So hopefully he can, can get healthy and we're able to see him on the field again. 
Um, I think the Browns news will hopefully start amping up pretty soon here as we're getting closer and closer. If the season does actually happen as planned, who knows everything always up in the air until it actually happens. I never believe it. Um, but I just think the main priority right now with training camps and practices is stay healthy. I mean, we just, you can't have these like Mac Wilson type injuries because that will kill us. And team chemistry is really going to be everything because that is, that's always been the Browns issue. We've never been able to build up team chemistry because everything changes so much every year. New coaching staff, you know, trying a new offense. We never get comfortable. And I was having a conversation about this recently. Um, and, and the reason, even when the Steelers have no talent, really, not no talent, but just not the, the high caliber talent that you would expect from a playoff contending team, the Steelers still always manage to either be in the playoffs or be in contention for the playoffs because they have a level of consistency within their organization that you can just plug different people in and things still work because everyone's comfortable. Everyone knows what's going on. Um, it's not all just up in the air and you're just throwing stuff out on the field and hoping it'll stick and hoping it'll work, which is what feels like the Browns do so that even when we have talent, there's no consistency. People are still learning things. Um, whereas, like I said, you got Mike Tomlin and the Steelers and the way they've been able to take a mediocre quarterback or a not good quarterback and still be able to pull out some wins because everyone knows what their job is. Everyone knows what they're doing. And like I said, level of consistency. So I think the Browns need to stay healthy so that we can start building that because you're never going to get that chemistry or consistency if you're going to have people keep getting injured and pulling people in and out. Um, okay, so last thing, I just wanted to wish a happy birthday to Kobe Bryant. Um, it's been sad on social media today watching all the different players and, you know, retired players post about Kobe. Um, it was really sad to see Vanessa's post on Instagram, just how much she's still hurting and how much she misses him. I just... I feel for her so much and it just breaks my heart. I still can't believe that th that was like this year. Like that was literally in 2020 and it feels like so much has happened since then with all the craziness of the world that I can't even believe that was in the same year. It's still just, it's really surreal. Um, but I just wanted to wish him a very happy birthday um, and I hope he is, you know, proud of his family and everything they're truly a beautiful family um and everything that they're doing down here and all of the players that have like come to his family to really take care of them you always see Paul Gasol with them um Sabrina Sabrina Ionescu who's the WNBA player um who Kobe was really close with I'm always seeing pictures of her with the Bryant family which is really great to see um but yes, happy birthday to Kobe. Okay, so that is all I have for you guys today. If you could just please leave me a review or rating, that would be really great. Subscribe, follow on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Um, follow the Instagram at just a girl from Klee Pod. Um, and I will catch you guys on the next one.